Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. So my name is Caleb. I'm one of the pastors here. I have the opportunity to continue in our Marked by Jesus series today. What we've been doing over the last year, or not year, since January, we've been walking through the book of Mark verse by verse. So I love walking verse by verse through a book of Mark or through a book of the Bible because you can't run from any topic, right? When you, uh, when you just pick and choose, you can, you can skip over stuff that seems controversial, but man, we're walking through this book verse by verse, so we can't run from anything. And we've come now to chapter four. So turn there in your Bibles, Mark chapter four. It will be on the screen for you. You can follow along on your YouVersion Bible app. We have our notes in there. If you ever want to follow along, just go to the menu, look at live events, and you'll find Project Church on there downtown. And uh, you can follow along with the notes. But we have an opportunity today to dig in to the first time in the book of Mark where there is any teaching from Jesus. So I love the book of Mark because it's fast-paced, it's hard-hitting, but up to this point, it has been all experiences, miracles, Jesus did this, he went here, uh, this miracle happened, but now Mark slows it down for the first time and gives us an actual teaching from Jesus. Now the book of Mark is called Mark, or the gospel of Mark, because Mark, who is the son in the faith of Peter, wrote it down. But he wrote down Peter's eyewitness account. So I love that 2,000 years later, we're actually getting an eyewitness account from Peter who walked and talked with Jesus, saw Jesus do all of these things himself. And so that's why we have, or we call this the book of Mark, because he wrote it down for Peter. And so we've come to this moment where Jesus begins to teach. And in the book of Mark, there's only two places where Mark actually records any of Jesus' teaching. In the other Gospels, there's more of Jesus' teaching, but this is one of only two places in Mark where we have some of Jesus' teaching. Now, Jesus here in this moment, he's teaching from a boat on a lake because the crowds have gotten so large. They didn't have amplification in this day, and so Jesus, he's smart, and he says, hey, if I go on a boat, sound carries over water. These thousands of people are in this like valley in between two hills and essentially it acts like a natural amphitheater where all these thousands of people can hear me as I teach. So he's teaching from a boat. And uh, as, as Jesus begins to teach, he actually gives four parables. Everybody say four. He gives four parables and over the next four weeks, we're going to look at each one of the four. Today, we're going to focus on the first. And this is a parable that your Bible may title the parable of the sower. Now, I, I've been paying attention to our culture. And if you didn't know, the number one cause of death in America is heart disease. The, the, the pharmaceutical industry is making millions, maybe even billions of dollars every single year off of heart medication. Most of you spend money to go to gyms where you can run on treadmills. Some, I ain't about that cardio life, but some of you are about it. I'm already skinny enough. I'm not trying to do that. But, but some of you are about that cardio life. And so we spend, you know, hundreds of dollars every, every single week to make our hearts stronger. And so I think you all would agree that the condition of our hearts physically matters when it comes to our life, right? You don't agree with that. It's pretty important that your heart is healthy. In the same way, the condition of your life matters 
when it comes to the spiritual health of your heart. And so what Jesus does here is he teaches a parable that I believe, and as we study it, you'll see, is really about the condition of our heart. And so he lays out this parable, and the title of my message today is Survey the Soil. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at the soil of our hearts. We're going to survey the soil of your heart, of my heart. Let's dig in. Are you ready? Okay, Mark chapter 4. Let's go there. I was scrambling, fighting a police officer, and I lost my spot. So here we go. I didn't fight her. I'm kidding. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them. Now, a parable is an illustrated story to prove a point. Listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow, and he sowed some seed, fell among the path. And the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up. Since it had no depth of soil, and when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell in good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ear to hear, let him hear. I'm reading 20 verses today. Stay with me. And when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. So that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and not be forgiven. Now I want to pause here because there's a couple things that I've noticed. And maybe you're already like, ooh, I... I don't know about that. Well, first I want you to see that Jesus, he gets alone with a large group of people. It's not the thousands, but it's not just the 12. It says there's a group of people and the 12, those close to him. We don't know exactly how many. We know that at different points in scripture, Jesus had 72 disciples with him. He had 150 disciples with him. He had 300 disciples with him. So Jesus has larger groups of disciples, and these are those who are more committed to him, more committed to his teaching. But they're the inner group, and they're with the 12. Well, to this inner group, he actually says, and he quotes the book of Isaiah. He quotes Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9 through 10. And some of you heard that, and you're like, dang, that sounded kind of harsh. Like, it sounded like Jesus just said that only certain people are going to be able to be forgiven. It sounds like Jesus only wants certain people to understand what he was really saying in this parable. And at first glance, that's how it appears. But we have to understand the context, and we have to actually look at Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. You see, in Isaiah 6, the prophet Isaiah is speaking to the people of Israel, and he's warning them. And he's saying, listen, if you don't change what you're doing, change your hearts, change your attitude, change your grumbling. If you don't change your ways, then you are going to be separated from the kingdom of God. And Jesus here is, is issuing a warning, but he's also doing something interesting. I think he's also putting up a filter. And here's what I mean by that. 
up to this point, the crowds, were, which were now thousands of people, upwards of three, four, five thousand people, in some places it says, you know, not even including women and children, so it could have been more. These crowds saw Jesus as entertainment. You see, in this day, there wasn't a lot of entertainment. They didn't have Netflix like y'all do. You know, you've been binge watching all day. Y'all finished Stranger Things season three, way to go. And uh, they didn't have the same entertainment. Some of you were at country in the park last night. You're at concerts in the park every Friday night. You're at war upon wall. Wait, wait, I don't know what I said. Uh, you, you know what I'm saying. All this stuff in, in downtown. You're at the R Street, um, you know, gather, gather Oak Park. You're, you're at everything. They didn't have the same entertainment in this day. And the word starts to spread. There's this guy named Jesus, and he's opening blind eyes, and lame people are walking, and he's calling out the religious leaders, and they're like, yes, because they, they didn't like the religious leaders because they judged them all the time and hated on them all the time and saw themselves as better than all the regular people. And so they're like, oh, he's calling out the religious leaders. Like, this is what's up. Like, let's go check this out. It was entertainment. And so people were showing up, thousands of people. They weren't there because they thought Jesus was God. They weren't there because they really wanted to, to, to be wowed by his teaching. They were there because they wanted to show. That's what they wanted. And so what Jesus is doing is he's putting up a filter and he's saying, I'm putting out some parables, some stories that are a little vague. Because if you really want to know the truth, you're going to dig in and you're going to show up again. If you really want to know, you're going to dig in and you may, be, may even try to follow me to my smaller group of people. You may even become a disciple and try to follow me. And so Jesus is putting up this filter and that's what he says here. He says, look, I'm putting this up because I want to know, I want these people that really want to know more about me and really want to dig into if I am who I say I am to press in more. And so I want to challenge you in this place because I know a lot of you come in here for different reasons today. Maybe you thought a girl was cute. Maybe a friend invited you. Maybe you heard about this church that meets at the crest. Uh, maybe you're the police officer that pulled me over and you wanted to see if I was telling the truth. But you've come in for different reasons. But at the end of the day, you can hear it and you could have come in for all the reasons in the world. But there comes a moment when you have to decide if I'm going to go in and, and figure out if this is really all that it's cracked up to be. There comes a moment where you say, all right, God, I'm going to give you a chance. All right, God, I'm going to step out in faith. And this is what Jesus is doing to, to these people. He's saying, I'm teaching in parables because i got to weed out the true followers from the fake followers. And unfortunately, in the church today as a whole, I think there's a lot of, of consumers. There's a lot of fake followers. And one day, we're all going to have to stand before God and give an account. And so my challenge to you today is that you would begin to survey the soil of your heart. So let's continue. Verse number 13. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? So when I first read that, I actually thought, you know what? I think this might be the big one. So you came on a good week. Because he said, if you don't understand this parable, how are you going to understand any of the other ones? So this parable is a big deal. This one that we're digging into today. The sower sows the word. So here we go. Here's Jesus' uh, description and, and explanation. And these are the ones 
along the path where the word is sown, when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown on them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. Everybody say joy. They have no root in themselves but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. There are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things sent, enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. So what I want to do today is I want to look at the four types of soil of our hearts. And I'm just going to go through what Jesus did. But I want to give you a little context, But I think because I think we hear this. And we don't understand the agricultural day that he lived in. We also, most of us don't understand agriculture in general because we don't live in that world. But I wanted you to see Israel. So I'm going to throw up a couple images. Uh, this is modern day Israel. So this is not what Israel looked like 2,000 years ago in terms of these structures. But this is what the land essentially looked like. So in this day, the place where they planted crops and seeds was always in the valleys. Because Israel is a very rocky and hilly terrain. And what would happen is the rains would come and the dew would come and the soil and the water would run down into the valley. And so what it would create would be in all the valleys, in between the hills, which you can see this is like in between hills, was fertile soil. And so this is where they would plant. But here's the thing. Because the soil would run off of the hills with the water, some of the soil would be rocky. Some would be thorny. And you could go to the next image. This is another, and this is modern day Israel, but you can see this is hilly Israel. And so they would have had more fertile soil in the middle of all these hills. And this is where they would have planted crops, planted seeds. Now you can see out there there's a big valley Nowadays, they plant in the valleys. I don't know if you've ever driven through the Central Valley, the Dust Bowl, and you've seen, like, big green fields in the middle of a place where it never rains. And so Israel has some of that now. Why? Because of irrigation. But in this day, they didn't have the same irrigation. And so they had to plant with what was given to them. So they planted in valleys. But here's the thing about that. The best route and the easiest route for people to travel from one city to the next was in the valleys. Because you don't want to be going up and down hills. You walk through the valleys. And so alongside of these, these crops and these seeds that are being planted and this fertile soil would be paths and roads that people would walk on. Does this give you a little more imagery of what Jesus is describing? So what he's saying is, look, here are, it, it, here's where the, the, the seed falls, but there's paths where people walk. There's rocks that get mixed in because it's running off the hills. There's thorns that grow up. And, and, and then there's good soil where the fruit actually grows and the crop actually grows. This is the context of what Jesus is describing to the people of Israel. The people that are listening and they would have understood this. So I want to talk to you first about the hard soil. So there's four types of soil of our heart. First, it's hard soil. It's packed down. Jesus actually describes it. He says, look... 
The seed falls, the birds come and eat it. He says, the birds is Satan. When the seed falls, Satan comes up, he, he sweeps it away, and before it even has a chance to take root, it's gone. Now, I don't think that's probably many of you in this room, or maybe any of you in this room. But I do want to be honest that I think that the enemy wants nothing more than to get a foothold in your life. And here's what I think how he does it. The enemy gets a foothold in your life by distracting you. Because he knows if he can distract us, he can divide us. So he wants to distract us, and he wants to get us thinking about all the wrong things. So we start thinking about, right, we're, we're, we're super distracted in today's culture, right, because we have these. So we're thinking about what everyone else is doing, and we're having FOMO all the time, and we're comparing our behind the scenes to everyone else's highlight reels, and we're thinking, why don't I have that life? Why, why do they have that job? And we're distracted, and when we get distracted, we get bitter, and then we get divided. And so what I see is people actually begin to become bitter because they're distracted because they're worried about the wrong things. I mean, we're distracted by politics today. Now, I'm not saying that politics don't matter. I'm not saying they're not important. But let me tell you, nothing is dividing the church more than politics in today's culture. And that's why I love our church because we're an ethnically diverse church. We're trying to get more uh, d- generational diverse that's why we hired Randy, my dad. Like, we got to put some gray hair up here. This church is too young. And what's cool is we've been seeing it happen. That now generations are starting to show up. We've got more teenagers. We've got more, you know, silver hairs. In fact, I'm getting silver. You guys know the truth, though. I keep my faith tight to hide it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to. I'm, I'm, I'm embracing. One of these days I'm going to embrace it. But I just had a birthday two weeks ago. Turned 38 can't believe it you guys didn't even sing happy birthday to me I'm kidding but man we give the enemy space in our life I think by being distracted and we're distracted by all these things that are peripheral things and I got to challenge us in the church that we would keep the main thing the main thing and the main thing is Jesus Christ I get these politics and I get their social justices and we need to stand up for that, social injustices. We need to stand up for these things. But at the end of the day, if Jesus is not at the forefront of our lives, we're distracted. If Jesus is not at the forefront of our tongue, we're distracted. If Jesus is not the first thought in our lives, we're distracted. And I think that we're distracted. I think as a result, we've gotten bitter. And some of you have gotten bitter because of your past, because of your past pain, because of the situations and the things you've walked through. And the enemy wants nothing more than to pack down your heart. He wants the soil of your heart firm and hard so when the word, the seed of the word falls, he can snatch it away really quickly. Because he doesn't want you living the best life. He doesn't want you living a full life. And some of us in this room, maybe our our hearts have grown hard. Maybe it's because you focus on the wrong things. Maybe it's because you've walked through pain. Maybe it's because of what happened in your past. Bitterness that you've held on to. Unforgiveness that you've held on to. But you've given the enemy a foothold in your life. And I want to tell you, it's time for you to dig up that hard ground. To till that soil, to forgive, to let go, to release, to focus. Second, 
type of soil of our heart is the rocky soil. So Jesus says, listen, the, the seed is planted and it grows quickly. It looks great on the surface. Like, oh, look it. There, there's some fruit. There's some grain. There's a branch. But it quickly is burned and scorched by the sun because it has no root system. What does that mean? There's no depth. Unfortunately, in today's culture, we live in a superficial society. And because of our super, superficiality, I think a lot of us have lost the depth that God has called us to. We, 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 we don't have the depth that we need. And I want to tell you right now, you need to root yourself. And the only person that can root you is you. You can't be rooted because your parents love Jesus. You're not going to be rooted because your spouse loves Jesus. You're not going to be rooted because your friend brought you and they love Jesus. The only person that can root you is you. You've got to and we have to say, you know, I want my roots to go deep. Because what Jesus says, he says, look, they receive the word with joy. They receive the seed with joy and the shoot pops up. But what happens? The second that trial, tribulation, or persecution comes, they immediately fall away. I love what, how the, the message describes it. We're going to look at the message. I don't use the message a lot, but every once in a while. It says, and some are like the seed that lands in the gravel. When they first hear the word, they respond with great enthusiasm. But there is such shallow soil of character that when the emotions wear off and some difficulty arrives, there is nothing to show for it. I wonder how many of us have got pulled into either, either emotional connection to God or an intellectual connection with God. And, and let me explain this for a moment. I think for a long time the church was all emotionalism. Like I, I grew up when the church was all emotionalism. And that's why everyone's like, yo, church is weird. Like them people are crazy. And it was just ultra emotional. So then the church was like, well, we can't be like that anymore. We need to talk to people's minds. What a concept. So let's go the other way. And so we begin to be all intellectual. And so, man, we, we teach the word and we love the word. And, um, but we, I mean, there can't be any energy or excitement in the space, in the place. Because, because then we're manipulating but man, what I've realized is that God gave us both our mind and our heart. He gave us both our brains and our thoughts and our emotions. And he wants both being touched by him every single day. And so at Project Church, we've tried to create an environment where, man, we speak to people's minds, but we let God touch their hearts. We create an environment where, yeah, we're stimulated mentally, but also where God moves in us emotionally. But what happens is if we're all emotion, then we're not rooted. We need grace and truth. Both, hand in hand, together. And so what, what happens here, the, the rocky soil is these people who they receive it, but the second something goes bad, it goes wrong, they're done. Here's what I've seen in the church we, we, we did a disservice to a lot of people because we told them, once you know Jesus, like, all your problems will go. Once you know Jesus, all your problems will go away. 
It's the magic pill. You take this Jesus pill, you drink this Jesus joy juice, and guess what? Everything will be better. Everything will be perfect. You won't struggle. And I want to tell you, I, I, I've talked to people like, man, I gave my life to Jesus. Things got worse. But let me tell you, every struggle, situation, circumstance that you walk through, every trial, every tribulation, God is using it to prepare you for who he's meant you to be. And unfortunately, for too many people, if we're not deep, if we're shallow, then the second things don't go our way, the second we don't get that raise, the second our friend gets married and we're like, dang, I'm cuter than her, how's she getting married? The, the second we, we, we struggle financially, the second that, that we walk through a struggle in our life, then we say, God, how could you do this to me? But let me tell you, God uses those moments to prepare you for the purpose that he has for you. When you're deeply rooted, then no matter what comes your way, you trust God through it. And the great thing about God is he walks with you through it. He walks you through every struggle, through every circumstance. We can't be rocky soil. You see, Jesus actually says, he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He says that after the first parable, before he describes it. But how many of you know that there's a difference between hearing and, and hearing. Like my kids, they hear me, but they don't really hear me. Because my, my kids have said to like, Dad, I hear you. I'm like, do you? Because if you heard me, you'd be doing something. That's the difference between hearing and listening. When you listen, you put it into action. And I think that the problem and the, this rocky soil that God is, or that Jesus is describing, is these people who hear and they're emotionally connected but then the second things go bad, because they're not rooted and there's no depth, then they fall away. They're scorched by the sun. We can't be those kind of people. Third is the thorny soil. You see, thorns, they choke out the seed so that nothing can grow. I love how Jesus describes it. I mean, this is, uh, it's exactly what our culture is walking through. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think the thorny soil is the majority uh, of Christians who are struggling in America. They're the thorny soil. So what did Jesus say? He said, here's the thorny soil. He said, there are those who have been caught up in the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things. This is the majority of Christians who are struggling in their faith walk with Jesus. The cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the concerns of this life. You see, we are just really thirsty in today's culture. This is what the kids are saying, by the way. We're thirsty. But we're thirsty for all the wrong things. We're thirsty for, for, for the next toy, the next house, the next thing, the next experience. We're thirsty for the next trip, for the next moment. And, and, and let me tell you, I've recognized something in my life that that thirst is never quenched. Because all of those things leave you unfulfilled. There's only one thing that can fill, fulfill you in your life and his name is Jesus. He's the only thing that will ever fulfill you. And so, man, I love to play golf. But let me tell you, I try to pl I play once a week. 
in the summer and spring, just so you all know. I ain't, I ain't playing around, okay? I'm trying to drop that handicap. And so here, here's the thing about golf. Every time I finish a round, I can't wait to play the next round. I'm like, I need another one, and I'll, I'll, I'll get done. I'm like, Chrissy, like, what's going on tomorrow? She's like, do not ask me to play golf. I'm like, I wasn't going to ask you that. What? Because this thirst is never quenched. But here's the thing about Jesus. When you walk with Jesus, when you know Jesus, he's with you every step of the day. He's with you when you wake up. He's with you when you go to bed. He's with you when you're at work. He's with you when you're going about your day, driving in your car. And you are fulfilled. He fulfills you. The things of this world, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, you'll never be fulfilled. You could be the richest person in this room. You'll never be fulfilled. In fact, they say, uh, they've done research, and the richer people are, the more unhappy they are, typically. Why? Because it's not fulfilling. Only Jesus can fulfill you. Now, I'm not saying you can't grind and work and try to expand your your horizons and your bank account and be successful. I'm about all those things. I want Project Church to grow. I want to reach more people for Jesus. I want to see this thing go to the next level. But at the end of the day, my identity is not rooted in how big Project Church is. My identity is rooted in the fact that I am a son of God. And I can be fulfilled knowing that I rest in that. When you know whose you are, you can walk fulfilled in this life. But the thorny soil wants to choke you. And you're always striving for more. You always need more. You always have to do more. And it's never enough. The concerns get us. The stress gets us. The worry gets us. Fourth and finally, the last soil of our hearts is the good soil. Everybody say good. The rich soil. Everybody say rich. You know, typical agriculture yields in this day were between 5 and 15 fold. 5 to 15 fold. That's a typical agricultural yield. Well, Jesus is talking to them. And he says, look, the rich soil... The good soil are the ones who receive the seed, the word, and it bears fruit. It yields a return, but it doesn't just yield your typical return. See, in this day, if you had a tenfold return, that was considered a really good crop. But Jesus says when your soil is good and rich and healthy and you receive the word, you don't just receive a good crop, you receive a great crop. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. That's the God that we serve. Listen, I'm not a prosperity preacher, but I'm here to tell you, we serve a God that wants to bless us. He's a God of blessing. He's a God that owns it all. He's a God that wants to pour out upon us. So my challenge to you this morning was to survey your soil. To survey the soil of your heart. Here's what I've seen, man. I've seen a lot of Christians who've been walking through this life, and it's been a year, five years, ten years. And they come to me, 
And it's not just like a seasonal thing because we all go through seasons of, of struggle. We all go through seasons of trials, seasons of discouragement. But I've had Christians come to me and after, you know, years, they're still discouraged. They're still defeated. They're still depressed. They're still anxiety ridden. They're still, still fearful. They're still bitter. They're still caught up in the past. They still have unforgiveness. You see, I, I titled this message, message, Survey the Soil, but I almost called it The Secret is in the Seed. Because if I look at someone's life and it's just year after year, decade after decade of unhealth, the problem isn't the seed. The problem is the soil. And some of you are like, Kayla, that, that's kind of harsh. No, that's what Jesus said. He said, you need to look at the soil of your heart. Now again, I'm not saying that it doesn't mean you're not ever going to have struggle or circumstances, you know, uh, trials or, or challenges in your life. I already talked about that. But what I am saying, that when you serve God and you till that soil and you have rich soil and good soil and healthy soil, then there will be a return. There will be a crop 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. And I think the reason some of us in this place have not experienced that is because we don't stop enough and survey our soil. Because there's a lot of us probably in this room and our soil is hard. It's packed down. It's firm. The soil of our heart is hard. Or maybe the soil of your heart is rocky. Maybe the soil of your heart is filled with thorns. And so I want to challenge you today that you would survey your soil. It's time for us to get down on our hands and knees, dig into the soil of our heart and say, that rock, it's got to go. That thorn, it's got to go. That hardness, I'm going to till that up. I'm going to work that. I'm going to soften that. It's time to get some things out so we can yield what we were meant to yield, so we can live how we were meant to live, so we can walk how we were meant to walk. Survey the soil of your heart. Here's the thing. The secret is in the seed. Because some of you are like, Caleb, I'm never going to have like the soil I should have. Guess what? Neither will I. Your soil's never going to be perfect. Your soil's never going to be thornless, rockless, hardless. Oh, that didn't work, but I tried it. Your soil's never going to be perfect. That's why God sent the perfect seed in His Son, Jesus Christ. Because when the perfect seed is planted, He can begin to root out that which shouldn't be there. He gets alongside of us and pulls out the thorns, and pulls out the rocks, and pulls out the weeds, and soften that's what, that which is hard. So today, I ask you to survey the soil of your heart. Can we bow our heads across this room? You're in here, you say, Caleb, my heart is hard. Maybe you've turned your back on God. Maybe you've ran from God. Maybe you've never known God. Maybe you just harden yourself to the things of God altogether. You, you, you were hurt by someone in your past that, that served God or went to church and you've never wanted anything to do with it. But today, God has been speaking to you and you know the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart right now and he's actually softening that which was hard 
Today, you need to respond to Jesus. If you're in this room, we say, Caleb, I need to receive Jesus. I need to give my life to Jesus. Well, I've never done it before, and I'm going to do it today. Or I, I did it at one time, but I ran from God. I hardened my heart, and I need to change today. If that's you, and you need Jesus in this place. For the first time, you need to recommit yourself to him anew and afresh. I want you to lift your hand. One, two, three, go. If that's you, yes, 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 yes. Come on, church, make some noise. Hands are going up all around the room. That's what it's all about. God is softening the soil of some hearts in this room right now. That's what he does. Can we repeat this prayer after me? Everyone in here, say this with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for softening the soil of my heart. I receive you. May my soil be good. Get out what shouldn't be there. Put in what should. I receive the seed of your son, Jesus Christ. Because I know the secret is in that seed. I love you, Jesus, and I pray this in your name. Amen. Come on, let's give God a praise one more time for all these people that raise their hands. This is the best decision you could ever make. We hope this word encouraged you today. If you haven't heard, we recently purchased a building in Old Sacramento. This is going to be the permanent home of Project Church. We are here to stay in Sacramento. But I wanted to ask you if you would consider giving, uh, donating to help make this vision come to fruition. You can go to www.projectchurch.com backslash believe to see more about the building and to donate. God bless you and let's see what God can do through us.